listening to, well, this is new, Wednesday Music, Law and Gospel, because of the holiday yesterday. We've got Mark Smith on today, and we're going to be taking a listen to the hymn, I Heard the Voice of Jesus Say. of Jesus Say. It was written by Horatio Bonar, B-O-N-A-R. He lived 1808 to 1889 and came from a long line of ministers who served the Church of Scotland. And he was among the standouts of that line. He wrote over 40 major works, more than 600 hymns. 
He was deeply involved in the great controversy of the Scottish Church that led to the establishment of the Free Church of Scotland, and yet did not neglect his pastoral duties. So it might be appropriate that he would pen the words to a hymn that it invites us to hear the voice of Jesus calling his chosen to rest. His personal life was touched by tragedy and sorrow. He buried five children along the way, yet his hymns were set to happy, often childlike tunes. This is the hymn of the day for Proper Nine, which of course is this coming Sunday, referred to as the sixth Sunday after Pentecost. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with us we have Pastor Mark Smith. Good morning, Mark. Hi, Tom. I uh, hope you had a, a great Fourth uh, of July holiday. No, I did not. You didn't? I wasn't on KFUO. Oh, that's right. We did. <laughs> yeah, I missed it yesterday, too. So, But I'm glad we're on today. That's Imagine a good if hand. I hadn't phoned you this morning, you would have forgotten about it. Uh, oh, I, I can't imagine that. <laughs> no, not at all. So this is an interesting hymn for the sixth Sunday after Pentecost. And can you understand why it's chosen as the hymn of the day? Well, you know, I haven't had a chance to look at the, the, the lessons for this coming Sunday. But one thing that maybe might puzzle somebody, this is, uh, this is under the... Uh, superscription in the hymnal of sanctification and yet its tone is so is so gospel oriented uh, come unto me and rest sanctification we usually think of living our life in Christ and and uh, the importance of good works and uh, uh, obeying his commandments but this is this is really a, a strong gospel hymn have you thought but about that, that? That doesn't contradict it being sanctification. No, no, uh, not not at all. Because really, it reminds us that you know part of our life of sanctification is remembering always to come to Jesus, uh, to come to Him and rest, uh, to take and drink of the life giving stream of His gospel. That that is part of our life of sanctification. And then you've got the final line. Uh, and in that light of life, I'll walk till dra- traveling days are done. So th- now that's strong sanctification. Well, let me read to you the gospel for this coming Sunday. Okay. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now, when we make a distinction between sanctification, the other idea is justification. Right. This only can be sung after somebody is justified. So that's why they put it under the realm of sanctification. 
Yes, I understand that. Yeah. And uh, and part of again, part of our life of sanctification is go, always going back, always returning to, to the precious words of the gospel, uh, the, the, the water of life. Yes. In fact, if you would read the first stanza, we could go ahead then. Okay. I heard the voice of Jesus say. I heard the voice of Jesus say, come unto me and rest. Lay down, thou weary one, lay down thy head upon my breast. I came to Jesus as I was, so weary, worn, and sad. I found in him a resting place, and he has made me glad. Why, when we come to Jesus, are we weary, worn, and sad? Because the world... Uh, the devil and even our own sinful flesh, our old Adam, has a way of, of weighing us down, of, of uh, t- t- pulling us in, in different directions and trying to pull us away from Christ. That's why. You know, it, it, there's a lot of hurting people out there. That's what we need to remember as, as preachers, Tom. There's a lot of hurting people out there that, are, that when they come into church, they need to hear uh, rich gospel. And... What comes before the gospel? The law. Yes. I would say that the reason that they come to him and that they are sad, etc., is because of the work of John the baptizer. Hmm. What was he preaching about? Oh, yes. Uh, uh, he says, repent, for yes. the kingdom of God is at hand. And he would show people their sins right. that separated them from God the Father. And that's why they were sad. Because in their heart of hearts, they were afraid of God the Father. Because they didn't know how they could become right with him. Yeah, good point. Good point. The, the, as, and also the world, too, has a way of taking its toll on us. And uh, the devil is always there, too. And But you're right. Uh, when the, the law is preached to us, uh, that's what the, the, the second purpose of the law is to show us our sins. It's like, look, like looking in the mirror in the morning and seeing all the blemishes, all the tangled hair, all the unshaven face, and r- realize what a poor, miserable sinner we are. Yes. You're right. We need to hear the gospel. Yes. Um, that gospel from Matthew 11 has another interesting comment where Jesus says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes. For, Father, such was your gracious will. What does that mean? Well, uh, those old, old Pharisees and Sadducees who thought they needed, they did not need a, a Savior. They did not Excellent. need any forgiveness. They, they thought, you know, Jesus says, I came, I came to, uh, to call, uh, I came as a physician for the sick and the poor and the downtrodden and those that realize they, what a miser- poor, miserable sinners they are. It reminds me of that parable of the two who went up to the temple to pray. 
One was kind of a poor man, a sinner. The other was a Pharisee. Right. How did they show the difference between the two? Oh, it was great, great contrast. The one said, uh, the one was a tax collector, a publican, also called a publican. But he says, uh, he says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. All he did was beat upon his breast and, and wouldn't even look up, wouldn't even look up. But uh, just downtrodden face, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Whereas the Pharisee, the self-righteous Pharisee, you know, he was just gloating on himself. He thought he was doing God a favor by coming to the temple. And he said, oh, I thank thee, my Lord, that you made me the way I am, and not like that poor, that, that, that miserable tax collector over there. Right. And he would be the wise and understanding from Jesus' point of view, and the tax collector was a little child. Yes. Yeah. The, the publican was like, I think of the blessed are the poor in spirit. The wiser we are, the wiser we are in the in the kingdom of God, the more we realize how much what dire need we are of, of God's forgiveness. And that wisdom is a different wisdom than the wisdom here in the secular realm where we think we're OK with God. Right. That's right. So we have two wisdoms, and one is the old Adam, one is the new man. So anything else from stanza one? I'm looking here. Oh, you know, oh, this verse, this first verse, come unto me and rest, lay down, thou weary one, lay down thy head upon my breast. I, I always think of John, you know, young John, his youngest disciple, we think, uh, leaning upon Jesus' breast at the uh, Last Supper. Remember that picture where he was close by Jesus and, and leaning on his breast, so to speak? Uh, that, that, that's always brought to mind by these, uh, the first two lines of that hymn. No, I had not uh, rem remembered that. That's a good point to make. And you can imagine they all were leaning on his breast after the day of resurrection. Right. No kidding. Okay, stanza two, please. I heard the voice of Jesus say, Behold, I freely give. The living water, thirsty one, stoop down and drink and live. I came to Jesus and I drank of that life-giving stream. My thirst was quenched, my soul revived, and now I live in him. So when it says, behold, I freely give the living water, who is the I? That's, uh, I, I, I would say Jesus, or is it God the Father, or, or, or the Holy Spirit? Yes. Well, it says it specifically. I heard the voice of Jesus. Yeah, it's the voice of Jesus. Behold, I free. Yeah, so it's Jesus saying that. Yes. Behold, I freely give the living water. Yes. Yeah, when I first read it, I thought that was what I'm supposed to do. Namely, we freely give the living water to those who need to drink it. But no, that's a message from Jesus that's right. to each of us personally. Stoop down and drink and live. Stoop down. What does that mean? Oh, I think uh, 
I hadn't really given thought to that. Stoop down and drink and live. Well, um, I don't know. What is the opposite of stooping down? Rising up. Yes. You've already mentioned that in the parable. Mm -hmm. Which of the two were raising their head to heaven? Oh, yeah, the... uh, the Pharisee thought yes. he could look right. He he thought he could look at God square in the face, but the but the uh, the Republican publican could. Down. All he had to do he he wouldn't even look up to God. He just uh, took him at his promise and God be merciful to me a sinner. You know someone else I think of when I hear this hymn, Tom. You know I know the uh, the verses down below refer you to. Uh, uh, if if anyone's thirsty, let him come unto me and drink. But one one passage they don't refer to, I think, is I think it's John four, where Jesus talks about the uh, the Samaritan woman at the well. Yes, yeah. There's no doubt there can be with every hymn thirty or forty passages. Yeah. And so they have to make a choice. Obviously, I've often thought right. of doing a book on that, going through each hymn and writing down the passages that they refer to. And tell us about that woman at the Samaritan well. Well, of course, she's skeptical of Jesus right away. She does not know yes. who he is. And uh, he, he said, uh, "He said, if you knew who you were talking to, you would, uh, you would say, give unto me this water of life, this water, this well of water welling up unto eternal life. And she and she says to him, "Oh, uh, yeah, boy, wouldn't I like to have that water? I wouldn't have to come to this well all the time to get more water." Right. And he says, and he finally tells her, "Go and get, go and call your husband and bring him here for this living water." And that that started the whole thing with her because he revealed to her he knew everything about her. He knew about her five husbands. And the man that she was living with that was not her husband, and it really it it cut her to the heart, and to the point where she forgets all about the the water that she was dra- drinking from the well. She leaves the water pot there. She runs to town to tell people, "Hey, I think I found the Messiah. He's told me everything I know, everything I've ever done. Can this indeed be the Messiah?" It's really the first. She becomes. People don't realize this, but she becomes the first recorded evangelist in the Gospel of John. Really? Yeah. And, and she wasn't one. even a Jew. I know. She was a Samaritan. Yes. Very interesting. So there's something I want to say here that we picked up from Proverbs recently when we're studying that normally on Wednesday. We'll get back to Proverbs next Wednesday. But... It was interesting for me to hear that when Proverbs distinguishes between a believer and an unbeliever, the unbeliever rejects the message, but the believer listens to the message. Yes. Now, that's really important that people in church should understand that. Namely, I heard the voice of Jesus say. Right. Where do they hear that voice in worship? Well, right away, if not if not in the opening hymn, usually the opening hymn, but also the uh, the absolution, the forgiveness of sins. 
In other words, the entire liturgy. Right. The readings. Yeah, the, that, that's right. The readings, the liturgy. It's, the those greetings. are all the beautiful gospel wrappings of the service. Even if the, even if the sermon isn't quite up to, to standard, the, even if the, the pastor has a bad day and his sermon isn't all that good, you've got, you've got plenty of gospel in the, the wrappings of the liturgy. There's no excuse for, really, there's no excuse at all for if you're listening and if you're you're uh, thinking and uh, open to the, the the words of the liturgy, there's no excuse for going home that day not knowing you're forgiven. In other words, you've heard the voice of Jesus. That's right. And that's what a purpose of a sermon is, is it not? Right. Absolutely. Okay, stanza three, please. I heard the voice of Jesus say, "I am this dark world's light." Look unto me, thy morn shall rise, and all thy day be bright. I looked to Jesus, and I found in him my star, my sun. And in that light of life, I'll walk till traveling days are done. Now, when he says, I found in him my star, my sun, how is sun spelled? Sun is spelled uh, S-U-N, just like we usually spell the sun. He's the, he's the son of righteousness arising with healing in his wings. The scripture speaks of Jesus that way, too. Right. Well, their son would be S-O-N. Uh, no, I think in that scripture, I think that scripture is, uh, spells it S-U-N, the son of righteousness arising with healing in his wings. I, I'm pretty sure about that. I could be wrong. Well, you could be right, because the word before that is my star. Yeah. And where does Jesus say that in the Bible, about him being the light of the world? Oh, he says, uh, uh, I, I can't give you the, the reference, but uh, I'm the light of the world. What else does he say in connection with that, Tom? Well, he that believes in me. Though he were dead. Yes. Though he were dead, yet shall he live. Yes. So what we have here are metaphors that are used starting with this dark world's light. What does he mean by that? Dark world's light. I am this dark. Well, we're we're in a dark world. The world itself, apart from Christ, is dark as it can be. It's dismal. It's death. It's the devil, and our own sinful flesh. That's the way this world is. But I am this dark world's light. I'm the light that's breaking through through this darkness and death. Yeah, well said. In, in other words, what does that mean from a human point of view? That the world now becomes bright light. Uh, I think of the passage, uh, your joy cometh in the morning. Uh, weeping will be for a night, for, for a time, but joy cometh in the morning. And, of course, that's especially true regarding the, the day of resurrection, the day of his rising from the dead. That is the real light that shines in our dark world of death. Yeah, I would go so far to say that the reason the day is bright, even though it's a dark world, is because 
we have a new attitude toward what is happening to us. Yes. Think, for example, at a Christian funeral. Yes. We weep, but we do not weep what? We do not weep as those who have no hope. So what makes the day bright? The, the sure and cer certain promise of the resurrection, that exactly. we will see our loved ones again. Yes. In other words, the assurance of hope that Jesus gives us. And where do we find that assurance of hope? In his gospel. Which is? Well, the gospel in a nutshell. Um, all well, who believe in me. When we say the me, word gospel, a lot of people don't okay. know that it's the difference between law. Good news. All who believe in me, though they were dead, yet shall they live. And he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. What are you saying there? I'm saying that if you believe in Jesus Christ, when you close your eyes, eyelids in death, you, you will be with our Savior in heaven. And well, not only that, not only will your soul go to heaven, but on the last day, your body also, which has been redeemed, will be risen again, glorified. And you, we will see our loved ones again in the resurrection. And that is because the gospel is made up of gracious what? Promises. That's the point I want to make. You take away the promises of Jesus, you take away the bright light. That's right. That's right. Yes. That's what faith is. Faith is clinging to our Lord Jesus' promises. Right. And in the epistle from Romans 7, it ends, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And the next verse says, Thanks be to To God, God who giveth us the victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is very important that every sermon deals with that. That's right. So thanks very much, Pastor Smith, in helping us understand, I heard the voice of Jesus say, join us tomorrow, at least myself, where we'll be talking about issues confronting the Holy Christian Church from a law and gospel point of view. I'm Tom Baker. You heard from Mark Smith. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.